hotel It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome to the Advent Calendar House's Thanksgiving in July special. It's time to dig into another not-so-classic TV retelling of the first Thanksgiving, and today's subject is admittedly a little square. So let's sock hop back to 1983 for a trip to the Saturday Supercade to take a cue from Cubert. This is Thanksgiving for the Memories. paradoxical valley girl from the 1950s who's daydreaming about living in the 1600s, Mike Westfall, and joining me via carefully placed pumpkins he's either ripening or unripening by jumping on them. I can't really tell. It's Tommy Coombs. Hi, Tom. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry about that, Mike. Uh, Language. Sorry. How you guys doing? (laughs) Doing very well. Uh, and serpentine greaser from the village people who throws a mean paper airplane, despite the fact that he shouldn't even have arms. Please welcome back Jamie Killsby. Hi, Jamie. I don't want to do podcasts. I just want to mess around. <laughs> that was a great, that, that one took me. I loved that line. Thanks for having me Thank back, you. Mike. I really appreciate it. Oh, that. absolutely. Great to have you back. And finally, the human plow that works twice as fast when he has itching powder in his pants, even though he's not wearing any pants. It's Chad Young. Hello, Chad. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, the part of that is very true right now. <laughs> you can take a guess which one. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, brother. Oh, thank you, guys. It's good to have the band back together for another yes. Thanksgiving. If I can get so, you know, like on our little quarter of the Internet, people get associated with certain holidays. And I don't know if people associate me with Thanksgiving yet, but if there is you know, I would love to be associated with overeating. That's that's what I that's what I was made for. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I remember someone mentioned this episode last year, and I immediately put it on my list for this year. It's short, but it is very wacky, and it feels a lot longer than it should be. Oh gosh, yes, it does. Let's talk about that really quickly. Who brought that one up? Who brought this up? I don't remember. Was it Chad? I don't know if it was me i feel like maybe it was it had to be either me or tommy we're gonna re-listen to the episode and figure out who brought it up oh no we're not because one of you gonna have to one of you needs to face jail time (laughs) (laughs) i looked on imdb under cubert not saturday supercade so it definitely wasn't me Okay. Okay. This is this is Chad's work. This is Chad's work. Yeah, probably. This is heel Chad. This is heel Chad as its finest, knowing what he's setting (laughs) us up to watch. Well, we're we're gonna need to uh, see the Cubert Thanksgiving special. Then we'll have to reevaluate this. Well, now I know I'm the old fart of this group. But does any one of you remember watching Saturday Supercade? No. Were you old enough to remember no. that? No. That was before my time, Mike. I was I was I was in the cloud, man. I was a I was a spirit. Yeah. 
Oh dear. Yeah. But I, actually I, I wanted to ask you, you, do you do remember it? I have faint memories of watching. I remember the Donkey Kong cartoon. Did you like it? I mean, I was a toddler as, at that as a kid, point, well, it's, so sure, it's sure, just, sure. yeah, it's, I don't remember having opinions of it, but I okay. it's, it stuck with me enough that I have memories of watching it. Because the Saturday Supercade stuff that I've seen, I feel like if I, you know, played Donkey Kong, played Cuber, and then watched the show, I'd be kind of disappointed. Well, this is all they had. This was like one of the first video game adaptations ever, so. Fair. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah. But, Asked and answered. But you got a good point, but. I guess the best way to tackle this is to just go into the history, the history of Saturday, Saturday Super, 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 Super Which ran for two seasons on CBS from September 1983 to December 1984. Produced by Ruby Spears. Huh? I believe the last time we talked about Ruby Spears on this show was for another 80s cartoon, Rubik and the Amazing Cube. Ugh. Oh, you did Rubik. We did Rubik. They had a whole Christmas episode set in Mexico. (laughs) I'm seeing a weird pattern about holiday cartoons with cube themes. Uh Hey, yeah. Didn't even put that together. Well done. Okay. So that show, does that have anything in common with this show? I mean, aside from the the writing is... It's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it was like a very timely fad thing and, and it's mm-hmm. just that you know arcade games outlasted the rubik's cute a lot longer. sure sure mm-hmm. mike so this okay i had a question for you i'm glad that you have some history of actually watching it because i admittedly don't i didn't even like really know that Kubert had his own show yeah but before the time we talked about recording this um saturday morning supercade lasted two seasons as you yes. just said mm-hmm. was Kubert there for the whole thing because i know he was only 19 episodes no so okay. uh so it was a half hour show it was split in the four short segments based on some early arcade games Kubert's segment ran every other week and would rotate with pitfall there was a pitfall harry segment i kind of want to see that <laughs> Unfortunately, they didn't do any holidays, but uh, it was oh. checking out just to watch and say, oh, that existed. <laughs> Thanksgiving in the jungle would be rad. It would be. Uh, the other segments included the aforementioned Donkey Kong, uh, Frogger, where he was an investigative reporter. Uh, there was a Donkey Kong Jr. segment where he teamed up with a guy on a motorcycle to help find his dad. Uh, and later they had... Uh, a segment for the arcade game Kangaroo. Kangaroo? What was that? It was kind of a Donkey Kong clone. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. That, that was, was that based on a game? It had to have Yeah, been, right? there was an arcade game, Kangaroo. It's just Kangaroo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Space Ace. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yep. Know that yeah. one. Now, was Space Ace just like, you know, a playthrough of the video game? No, they made like an actual Ruby Spears cartoon of it. Like it, okay. it was not. It's like such a downgrade from the Don Bluth animation. Oh, I don't uh. think they even got the same voices. <laughs> Let's be honest. There's it, when it comes to Don Bluth animation, you can't really there's, the, the, you can't get you can't much nowhere to go. More down. Downgrade. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, uh. I want to elaborate, and, I, and I'm glad that you went through that lineup, Mike, because I want to elaborate what I said before about being disappointed as watching these shows. Because, like, I, I studied some animation in college; it's it's really hard. Sure, and I could watch any cartoon and go like, "Oh, this this kind of took a lot of effort." Um, the disappointment, though, is that all these shows seem to have nothing to do with the games, aside from 
having the character names. No. So because these are early games, they don't really have a lot of story to it. True, true. And go look at the Pac-Man because nothing in that Pac-Man cartoon had <laughs> anything true. to do with the... Yeah. You could say that about... I guess the only one that kind of came close was Double Dragon, maybe? Sonic did okay. Mike, did you do that? Sonic, the yeah. Christmas? I so, have Sonic yet. Ice Blast? That is Ooh. on my list. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for that one. All oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say the Donkey Kong segment was notable for featuring Mario in his first speaking role by Ooh. Peter Cullen. Ah. Give it up, Donkey Kong. I'm using your trick. Peter Cullen was the original voice of Mario. Yep. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Now back up. Oh. What was Peter Cullen known for? He's Optimus Prime. Uh, you keep going. He was Eeyore. Yeah. He was Eeyore yeah. around this time. Yeah, you're right. I think he's still mm-hmm. Eeyore. But... He was Xandar on G.I. Joe. He was Eddie Spencer Jr. on Filmation Ghostbusters. Ah. And he did a bunch of other voices. Oh, he's, I mean. He was the Grundle in My Little Pony. Grundle's good. (laughs) He was even in the Sectars cartoon. Man, good for you, Chad. We we are the only people in the world talking about the Centaurs cartoon right now. (laughs) I'm not going to be on. I'm not going to lie. I don't think I've ever seen an actual episode of the sectars cartoon uh, i don't know if anybody am, has it might not exist i haven't i, I haven't could. talked to anybody who's seen it it's it's like a i think it's like a deep web conspiracy i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure but yeah done it all i'm impressed chad thank you but yeah so each of these shows had to have some backstory because the game just didn't have enough memory to create one in game so that's why frogger became a newspaper reporter and mario was suddenly a circus animal handler and qbert was reimagined as a 1950s high school jock Uh uh-huh yo sit on it doesn't that seem like such a jump though it is a jump yeah no pun intended (laughs) jump yeah i don't know where that came from but he's that's where they went with it. He had a letter jacket and mm-hmm. something else. The original arcade game character never had arms. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the ability to speak English. Yeah. Well, right. Oh, and also what was unique to the cartoon uh, I was reading is that, uh, God, what did he call the stuff that, that he spit out of his nose in the cartoon? Oh, Slippy Doo. Slippy Doo is not sure. canonical in the game. So Slippy Doo oh, is. Well, apparently. One of the original ideas was for him to shoot something out of his nose, but oh. it never made it to the final game. It does seem like, why would you have a nose like that if you're not going to shoot something out of it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How we got from weird alien jumping on cues to basically happy days remains a mystery. You know, uh, I, I don't want to make the obvious joke, but uh, so I'm not even really making this joke, but it's just like it's a lot of cocaine and show business in the 80s. Right? <laughs> you know, I, uh, <laughs> Hubert would suck it up too, man. Oh dear. <laughs> that nose. <laughs> that explains so much. Yes. Uh, the voice of Cubert is Billy Bowles. I love turkey and all the trimmings. Who appears to be best known for this, but he was also the Pink Panther's elder son, Pinky, in the Pink Panther and Sons. Yeah, sure. Which existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to the rest of the cast as we meet them. I saw he also did something called. Uh, uh, he was a, he was a, he was a tiger character named Christer, Christopher in a show called Kingdom Chums. Yep. Uh, I did wait see a minute. That. Wait a minute. I don't know anything about this. Do you? Yes, I do, and I can tell you right now everything you need to know about the Kingdom Chums 
because not only was I the biggest Kingdom Chums fan at age seven, I actually wrote to the guy that created it and he wrote me back and I still have a letter. Oh my goodness. His name is Squire Rushnell. And he was like the head of like ABC or something for a while, but he does like a lot of, um, let's see, I'm trying to find it. I know he Dad, was, I, I'm so impressed with you tonight, man. For real. I'm not even just blowing no, smoke. Thank you. Oh, what the thank hell? It, How did I, I never even heard of this cartoon. Neither have I. You've never heard of this cartoon? Even a little bit. Until researching this, Kingdom Chums, to me, it was just like, this sounds like Superbook. It, right. it is essentially Superbook, but instead they take like, it, it's essentially Shirt Tales and Superbook. Oh, okay. I can see it. And they did like a countdown of all the Ten Commandments. Uh, they did They did two videos, and one of them was like, oh gosh, what was it? It was like David and Goliath. I think I, I might be misremembering it, but the other one, which is the most, the more popular one, if, if for may, you know many wrong reasons, was the Ten Commandments. But it was all set to like pop music, so they had like Billy Squires, they had um, uh, Marilyn McCoo, and they had all these voices that probably had never done a voice, you know, a cartoon in their life. Billy Squire, or not Billy Squires, what's his name? Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Billy Graham? No, no, no. <laughs> Billy Preston? Billy Preston. Oh, I'm looking at a list here. Yes. I'm just like, wow. Look at that. Frankie Valley is a voice. Tony Orlando. Tony Orlando. He was the I think oh the God. tiger. Yeah. Or he was the lion. A young Mayan Bialik and an even mm-hmm. younger Genevon Oy. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was I, I was really into that. And um yeah, I, I, it's, 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 you, those are the kind of videos you'll see on like everything is terrible. Okay. Um, yeah, that sounds right. They're, they're, they're actually really well produced, but they're, 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 they're very, they're very corny. <laughs> I'm shocked not only that you knew it, but that you like, you, you have an autograph or something from the guy. Like, I, what? You know what? It's around here somewhere. I don't, I have, it's somewhere in a, like my old memories box, like I had as a kid, but yeah, it's nice. It's, it's rad. It comes in Good a kingdom you, chum uh, envelope too. But, so that's pretty rad. Kingdom chum. Good for mm-hmm. you. Oh, man. wow. Yeah. I wrote him asking if there was a new cartoon coming and if they were doing stuffed animals, because in one of, in the, in uh, the, the David and Goliath one, I think it's my embryolic and she's the little sister and she's like holding a bunch of the stuffed animals. And I think that he wrote like oh. that he was working on it. I, and I'm guessing that that didn't really, <laughs> I guess not. No, but yeah, we can, we'll talk about the kingdom jumps on another show. sometime. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh, we could do it for Easter. Do they have an Easter? Year? Do they have an Easter? Do, do they? Well, uh... I, it, it, uh, I mean, you could qualify it as an Easter, given the connections. I guess. You know, for some people. Well, as far as segments of Saturday Supercade went, mm-hmm. while Donkey Kong Jr. had a Christmas episode, and it looks like Frogger may have had a Halloween episode that's lost to time, unfortunately. Oh, darn. Hubert is the only one of the group that tackled Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving weekend, uh, November 26th, 1983. Uh And as of this recording, Hubert is the only segment of Saturday Supercade to have been released on home video. It got a DVD release in 2015. Uh Who wants to guess why? 
I can. Go ahead. Was it uh, the Amazon like on-demand service that would like print the DVDs or whatever? Why why did it get a release? Oh, can I guess? You can guess. Um, tie in with the movie Pixels. Correct. Oh, they were cashing in on Pixels. Of course. Good for you. Oh, I was going to bring up how uh, Kubrick slept with Josh Gad in that movie. Good for <laughs> you. Oh, they had little baby Kubricks. Yay. Spoilers. I had a stupid joke lined up because I saw that Kubert is now owned by Sony. And mm-hmm. I had a I had a stupid joke lined up about how I didn't see Morbius and I wanted somebody to confirm if there was any Kubert references in Morbius. But I don't want to see that piece of shit. But you guys are saying such impressive stuff that I don't even want to say the stupid jokes. So, by the way, can, uh, Mike, I. Yes. Real quick, because we were talking about Mario, um, Peter Cullen playing Mario on Donkey Kong. And this is a completely different side note. Sure. Uh so Mario's girlfriend, who was on the Donkey Kong series, named Pauline. Pauline, right? Yeah. Do you know who voiced her? Because this one is very fun for me. Uh, I forget. I looked it up and I forgot because Judy Strangers. Oh, Dina Girl from Electro Woman and Dina Girl. Yeah. Okay, and that was just I. I completely forgot that she had played uh, Mario's girlfriend on the show, and. Um, I just kind of wanted to bring it up. Did Mario have a girlfriend that wasn't Peach? Yeah. In the in the Donkey Kong cartoon, yeah. It's not Peach in Donkey Kong. Yeah. That you're climbing up to save. Yeah. Wow. You're right. Her name's Pauline. You're right. Yeah. So if you actually like, she comes back in Super Mario Odyssey for the Switch. Does she really? Yeah. She's the mayor of her own city. No. This is like when you find out that your mom had a different boyfriend before your dad. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, this is like this is really weird. What? Oh, gosh. They made her look completely different in uh, Super Mario Odyssey. She looks more like like uh, Jessica Rabbit with a uh, Carmen Sandiego hat. What's this character's name? Pauline, you said? Pauline, yeah. Is, is she staying the Mario con- canon apparently, for a long yeah. time? Okay. She's apparently back. So they like redesigned her sometime in the late 80s or early 90s. I know there was like a Donkey Kong game for Game Boy, and they redesigned her with that brown hair uh-huh. and like the, yeah. the lipstick there. I'm looking at her now, man. And uh. I'm telling you, I think he traded down. <laughs> yeah, he really did. <laughs> It's weird because they they updated her to look like a beautiful Jessica Rabbit, Carmen Sandiego type. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. Mario still looks like cartoon Danny DeVito. Yeah. Well, you know what? Good for you know what? Go for it. But yeah, I wanted to bring that uh, side note up because I'm a huge uh, Sid Marty Croft fan. And obviously, Electro Woman and Diana Girl were a uh, not the most successful one they had. But I. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. Oh, no. You got to break a few eggs. Sure. So let's learn about how the first Thanksgiving happened in Kubert's hometown of Kuberg. And if you want to follow along this episode, Thanksgiving for the Memories is pretty easy to find online. We don't suggest following along, trust us. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you will. No. Uh, first, can we talk about the architecture in this universe? No. <laughs> just no <laughs> just no um architecture in this in this town city whatever quadrant is kind of frustrating yeah 
what's it called? What's the name of his town called? It's Q something. Q Q-Berg. Q-Berg. So I this was way more uh-huh. Flintstone-y than I thought it was gonna be. Everything was Q everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know how like in 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 Flintstones, everything is stone, everything or rock, yeah. rock everything. Uh-huh. The, the Q, this was we're going to the Q land that they're on their uh-huh. way to the Q land the, instead of New Land. I don't know, man. Very punny. But this opens with the exterior shot of Kuberg High School, and it's got windows shaped like rounded rectangles uh-huh. protruding a little bit. Like you can tell, it's supposed to look like Kubert, but it ended up looking like a really muscular, blocky Kubert. Yeah. You know, what um, the, I I couldn't even pick him when they were like so full disclosure I never watched a Kubert cartoon a day in my life before and the whole time I'm watching I'm like all right which one is Kubert and like they finally have him start talking I'm like oh oh that's what he's <laughs> yeah it's like oh. well since we're on the opening scene here I want to say something and I want to say it to Chad and well, I want to say to everybody, and Chad, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I, I mean this in the most loving way. Okay. Um, <laughs> humongous. Okay. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> that the big the the big guy. Yes, I wrote that note as yes, I did write that down. It's, it's yes. you. Time tra- you've time traveled. You've written yourself into the show because I think what's his first line? He's like, I like Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, I always say that. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that too. Yeah, and Frank Welker's oh. Dr. Claw voice. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Yum, yum, yum. That is one of Frank Welker's voices in this show. It's, yes, it's it is. Humongous, a.k.a. Chad. He's like, he sounds like friendly Dr. Claw is what I wrote. Okay, good. Yeah. That's not bad. That's 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 not too bad. I would be down for that. A that's appropriate. Dr. Yeah. Claw. Maybe that's what he needs. Yeah. A voice of, by the way. Ray Stance and Slimer in the real Ghostbusters, which I have the Ecto one right next to me right now because I, uh, our buddy and uh, co-host uh, TPIF picked me up a uh, Ecto one and hey. a Dave Coulier signed Peter Venkman. So oh, it's wow. been next to my bed is for a week because we got back and I I never really unpacked. That's true friendship, though. That is get, absolutely. You know. Okay, let's be honest. The Ecto one's never leaving your nightstand, is it? No, no. <laughs> Any any like photos of like friends and family? It's been replaced by <laughs> the Minton box. <laughs> Can find other places for those, oh, even yeah. if it's the closet. Sure. You know Frank Welker. I think I may have told this story before. Frank Welker was the first voice actor that was revealed to me that voice actors voice more than one person. Huh? I think I have heard this story from you, but you can continue. Well, I because I used to be a big Ghostbusters. Well, I still am a big Ghostbusters fan, but as a kid. Um, like I watch it. Then I remember one day I was watching Scooby Doo, and I realized that the that Fred had the z- same voice as Ray. Mm. And two and two together, and realized that you know there are people out there who voice more than one character. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh! So you were saying Fred Welker was the first time you realized, like, oh shoot, that you this guy voices multiple characters. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, I, you I know, like similarly, one time when I was a kid. I was watching cartoons and I turned to my dad and I said, dad, how come cartoon characters never blink? And like a good dad, he had an answer ready to go. Didn't even have to think. He said, they blink at the exact same time as you. Oh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah. And, I just, and it just shut me right up. And I never I was like, okay. Oh, Asked wow. Also, by the, by the way, second character or second actor who voiced two characters was uh, Lorenzo Music. 
for Venkman. Yeah, yep. What did he do? Yep. <laughs> oh, great. Now I got two stupid lasagnas. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, hey, Garfield. Let's go fly. Let's go find some ghosts. Oh, uh, mine was mine was Frank Oz because Bert and Fozzie Bear have the same voice. Oh, oh um, my gosh. He, yes, he did play. F- oh, jeez. Is that also the guy who is briefly in American Werewolf in London as the uh, um, American agent working in the hospital? Uh, Are you familiar with that at all? I think so. There is a Muppet voice actor who has a really small part in American Werewolf. Okay, that's him. Yep, it's him. He's got the glasses. You can't can't mistake it because he comes in and he goes, uh, he's like... uh, I forget his line, but he's please. You're being hysterical. You know he's very muppety when he talks naturally. It's it it kind of knocks you down. Yeah, they also have like a scene from the Muppet Show in that movie, and they credit uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy in the credits. Good. That's a good one. As themselves, did not know that that rocks. But but Hubert is just sitting at his desk, waiting patiently for the teacher to arrive like a good boy while the entire rest of his class is doing what every class in the history of TV does before the teacher arrives, throwing paper airplanes and shouting at each other. Mm -hmm. If you were like me, you would get paper balls stuffed in your hoodie and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't see any of that, you know. But Kubert's hands are not clean here. We see his name very clearly on the chalkboard behind him. That's a good point. Why are all the desks facing away from the chalkboard? <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even notice that. That's great. Well, what what kind of what animal? What is Cubert? Is he an animal? He's an it. Yeah, he's yeah thing. His species is called nosers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That is canon, and they use it in this show. I don't know whether it started from this show, but. Uh, they stuck with it in future games. They took a lot of leaps with the cannon for these um, Saturday Supercade shows. So they sure did. Indeed. Which I just saw Humongous. I'm like, that is that's Chad, man. Mm-hmm. Not only does he look like you a little bit, Chad, but he's talking. He's very enthusiastic about Thanksgiving. He is instantly relatable with that first line. He licks his lips while staring longingly at a pumpkin sitting on the teacher's desk. It's an almost cubic pumpkin. It reminded me of Spookly the Square Pumpkin. Oh my god! The what? What is this? Yes! Spookly the Square Pumpkin. It's from 2004. It's CGI animated on a budget. This is like a Dollar Tree Halloween special. Okay. It's on some streaming service. Oh, no. What the hell is that? Netflix. It's on Netflix. <laughs> Ew. I've seen it before at Target. It is very much a bottom of the DVD bin special. Mike, you and I have talked about, I'm going to go back to uh, uh, Jingle Bell Rap, where I had <laughs> said, and you know exactly where I'm going. This is the equivalent to a VHS you would find in a Lowe's or a Home Depot. It was just kind of there. I think you would. Oh, this is terrible. I hate this. I don't like this. We got to see if he uh, looks like is every episode technically. Yeah. This this is you say Lowe's. I think you find this in a in a garbage like in the bottom. Yeah, it should be. But he, he Spookly the Square Pumpkin became a big thing and they made a Christmas special with him. And an Easter special with him. Did you cover Spookly? I have not yet. He's on my list. Christmas Eve goes to summer camp. <laughs> He's basically Rudolph, but a pumpkin is the story. I hate this. 
Rudolph was useful, though. And so is Spookly. He saved all their lives. How did he save them, Mike? How did he save them by being yeah, square? Please tell me, Mike. Entertain me. <laughs> he was basically, he stopped a wheelbarrow from rolling into a river. <laughs> okay. And saved all the other pumpkins. He was a doorstop, and that's how he saved Hooray, guys. Hooray for me. <laughs> this has officially just turned my mood into just. Uh, this has ruined my day, and I hate this. I hate it's, everything about this. I hope mm, I never want to see this again. No, 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 Dude, no. We're not. We're not giving him any praise. We're not giving him any more publicity. No, he is geometric Veggie Tales. No, 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 no. All right, so I'm not bringing Chad on the no. spooky episode. Dibs, you are Dibs. not. I, I, I hear you. All right, Tom. <laughs> I'm angry. I hate this. All right, well, back to Cubert, uh, who agrees with Cumongus about Thanksgiving because he loves turkey and all the trimmings. And then over to his desk slithers our main antagonist, Coily the Snake. You know, the purple snake from the game that hops around. In this, Coily is our classic 50s bully in a leather jacket and a motorcycle hat. Like, imagine the one guy from the village people with a motorcycle hat. <laughs> now imagine that guy is a purple snake. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's like um, uh, Henry Bowers uh, from Stephen King's It. And uh, you, you can okay. kind of picture him <laughs> using a switchblade to carve Cubert into, uh, into Cubert's, uh, into his belly. <laughs> Or maybe he carved something into Spookily the Square Pumpkin's belly. Yeah, he's like one of the tunnel snakes. Oh, the tunnel snakes from uh, Fallout 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coily is also voiced by Frank Welker. Sure you would, because you're a dumb turkey. I'd rather mess around. Uh, besides Cubert himself, it looks like Frank Welker does most, if not all, of the other male voices in this show, including... Uh, Coily's other lackeys, Ugg and Wrongway, the little purple gremlin guys who hop along the sides of the cubes in the game. Uh, but for Coily, he's doing a ratty Brooklyn accent. Yeah, you're a dumb toykey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yo. I'd rather mess around. What does that even mean? Ironically enough, that is a voice trope. And I think we we heard that voice trope when we spoke about A Thanksgiving Tale. One of the cats. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We can't escape this stuff. The tremendous voice cast that that special had was just off the walls. <laughs> uh, but Coily shows us what messing around means as he throws a paper airplane across the classroom with his arm. They gave the snake arms. Yeah. That's weird. Does that make him not a snake? Like Trogdor. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. They're all sort of, I mean, Cubert, I think, is supposed to be an alien from some other world. So I guess Coily is too. That's true. That doesn't seem like a snake to me. Cause I think definitively um, snakes don't have arms. No, uh, but I do. I was like, when I was looking at the names of the characters, they really drew a line in the sand. Cause you have Qbert, Qmongus, Qbit, Q blah, 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 blah. And then you have like spit and Coily and burn. Like they all had like the gang gang member names, you know? Yeah. Like the warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hubert is like the Warriors. That's my um, film school thesis. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Throws his paper airplane, which lands perfectly on top of the hair of their teacher as she enters. Nice landing. My compliments to the pilot. 
Is that June foray, by the way? Because it sounds like June foray a little. It might be. She's credited as additional voices. Mm. So it is very possible. Yeah. It kind of has that June foray-ish kind of uh, grandma. But, you know, it could also be Linda Gary for all I know. I don't know. It could be Janet Waldo. Oh, it could be. Yeah, she she's also additional voices. I don't have I do have another female voice actor that I'll mention later, but uh, I don't have a definitive answer for that one. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I know who you mean. Too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in a moment of pure 20th century lack of cartoon continuity, the mm-hmm. teacher tells the class to take their seats. They were already in their seats. Good on you, man. You're noticing all this stuff that is that is so obvious, and I just let this dumb thing travel through my brain. Like, all right, let's 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 move on. They're sitting backwards. They're already sitting down. She tells them to sit down. Good for you for noticing. I'm glad someone did. The animator surely forgot, but we do indeed see the class take their seats again. Just a weird thing I noticed rewatching this, but a more fun thing I noticed was the Thanksgiving posters on the wall. I like those. Ooh, Chad, you need those for your bedroom, dude. I do. I do. I'm I'm looking at recreating them right now. (laughs) There's a pilgrim with a Native American noser. There's a turkey with a Qbert style nose. He kind of looks like Birdo from Super Mario Brothers 2 with turkey feathers. My favorite is the one that shows just a spread of food, a pumpkin, a pie, some grapes, a block of cheese, and under the word Thanksgivings with an apostrophe S. Oh, yeah. So what is... That, that means possessive. So what does Thanksgiving own? I don't know. Thanksgiving's what? Maybe that what Thanksgiving's all about? This food. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it right now. Apostrophe S. That's, gosh, a lot of a lot of clerical errors here. Yeah. They were just, come on, we got to get this done. I'm, I'm going back to the um, cocaine thing. There was, let's get it done. Come on. Come on. Sounds Your good show, who me. cares? Get it on the air. Teacher walks up to her desk that's got paper airplanes, little bits of trash surrounding it, and does nothing. Just no time. Got to teach. She's dirty. (laughs) Yeah, she's gross. Uh, (laughs) She's gross. Filthy. No time. Time to learn about Kuberg's first Thanksgiving, which the teacher tells us happened 350 years ago, which, subtracting from 1983, sets this story in the year 1633. So a little bit after American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Or just maybe she rounded. I don't know. Oh, boy. I'm not worried about that. It's not important. I hope not. (laughs) No. What is important is we're about to flash back to the future Q-Bergian pilgrims setting sail on, of course, the Q-Flower. The Q-Flower was the first time I had the thought where I was like, did has this been co-opted by the (laughs) QAnon people? Because I could see that image of the Q-Boat like on on signs or something that some maniacs are holding up. It's the mast. It's the sail with the letter Q. Yeah, on it. I think they've ruined the letter Q for me. Oh no! It's, it's funny you say that because this was the exact moment in the special where I just kind of started sighing and just doing face palms. Yeah. So you know, we we kind of had opposite reactions to this, but you know, close enough. I don't think I noticed until this scene, but the way the letter Q was drawn on the sail, how Qbert himself is supposed to look yep. like the letter Q. Am I dumb for not noticing that wow. until now? I don't think so. Okay, good. I don't think so I, at all. Yeah, no. if it is, it's news to me too, if that's the case. Because I thought he just called him that because he hops on cubes, but... Oh, wow. So they're on the Q flower, sailing to, of course, the Q world. <laughs> 
instead of the new world. We're going to rock new America. We're going to rock, you know. (laughs) There's a lot of that. I like it. It is. Absolutely. Uh, So next we see the head pilgrim telling the others that once they reach the Q world, they'll need everyone to help build their new community. And he even makes it a contest. Q-munity. Yep. (laughs) I was going to ask, was he saying Q-munity? That's not how I heard it, but he should have. Okay. They they missed that one. I could have swore he was saying Q-munity. And after I became aware of that, I was listening for other drops of Qs, but yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe he was, but I feel like they could have emphasized it more like every other yeah, time they, really they did could've. it. So maybe not. I, but terrible. Way to go, Ruby Spears. <laughs> yeah. So the contest is whichever youngster contributes the most over the next year will win their own customized Q horse and buggy. Okay. With square wheels. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what I was going to point out. It's right before South Park got it <laughs> with their Canadian wheels. Simpsons did it. Cubert <laughs> did it. Mm-hmm. And also the horse has like deer hooves. Yeah. Yeah. I, <sighs> My hooves. But it has the, it looks like it has the Q nose. It does. Cause it's a Q horse. Which is giving me a lot of questions about what exactly a Q is. Cause you could be a horse or you could be an orange thing. <laughs> You know, and still be in the cute family. I guess so. Yeah, I'm getting angry again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we get it. They like cubes, but the wheels, though, I get it. They like cubes, but they've seen the circle. Yeah. Yeah. All of them are round people with equally round nostrils. So weird design choice, early pilgrims. There's probably a community of... People that look like Cuberts, but they're they're really into circles. And then you sort of have a Sneetches on the Beaches kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I like that. Interesting. Oh, but of course, this flashback shows our main cast of characters as the Pilgrims. So I'm guessing it's their ancestors on this Q flower. Even Coily, the evil snake, who sounds like an Italian from Brooklyn, uh. has an ancestor on the Q flower. So Pilgrim Cubert says he's going to work hard to win that horse and buggy, and Pilgrim Coily vows to win it himself. And this time, Coily's got the support of his girlfriend, Viper, who's voiced by Julie Deese. And I'm gonna louse a funnel nose's chances and win the prize myself. And I'll be there to share it with ya. Oh yeah, look at that. Uh-huh. The voice of the animated genie from I Dream of Genie. Oh, and also, she was Baby Smurf and Sasset Smurf. She was Casper the Friendly Ghost for a bit from the late 70s to the early 80s. Young Wilma in the Flintstone Kids and Strawberry Shortcake's friend Huckleberry Pie. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute. Who was she married to? Do you know this offhand? I do, yes. Do you? Are you clicking around or do you actually know this? I know this one. I know my voice actor. This is this is wild. She's married to Rick Dees. Thank she you. Is like married I'm like, to Rick Dees. Yeah. Yep, Mr. Disco Duck. This is wild. That's her married name. She yep. she was married by the time she was at. Uh, before that, she was known as uh, Julie McWerther. Uh-huh. I wanted to come to this show and do a good job and i think my only note is that this show came out in 1982 and chad knows who the voice <laughs> actress who plays the snake's girlfriend is married to in real life <laughs> i'm not qualified to be here yeah you are i do, do, do uh, here's the thing never ever 
ever test my uh, voice actor or an animation knowledge. It's just not yeah, going to happen. No. Um, but I will say, I came to the show with uh, the note that said, this sucked, <laughs> but I'm still, you know, you know they, they, we're still on the same page, Jamie. It's all good. Uh, so Viper, for Viper, Julie Deese is doing a Mae West voice. Yes, thank you, because the whole time I was watching this with my wife because we were um, sitting on the couch and I was like, oh, right, I got to watch this Hubert thing. And she was like, what's up with that chick's voice? I was like, she's doing Mae West because, you know, uh, I guess the 1600s, you know, had Mae West voices. That's another voice trope. Absolutely. Yes, especially around that time. Oh yeah. As a as a kid, I heard all these and I d- I didn't know like what they were referencing. And I still kind of like barely get it, but you hear them often uh, and repeated by different characters and voice actors. Have you guys ever seen Quasi at the Quacadero? I sure haven't. I can't say I have. Oh man, sounds like it exists in the Cubert universe. Yeah, I was dude. I was just gonna say that it has so many cues in it. <laughs> what is going on? You know what? It could, and it, <laughs> it was like an it was an animated short and. It was really trippy and weird, and uh, one of the main characters, uh, she actually has like a Mae West kind of voice. Mm. I think that was done in like, it, it was like the late 70s, but... I was going to uh, Google it, but I've already forgotten the name. It's Quigley in the Quasiverse or something? What are we talking no, about? No, it's Quasi at the Quackadero. It was done by um, Sally Crookshank. Yep. There we go. And she has an official YouTube where you can kind of watch all this stuff. And this this is just some of the most crazy looking stuff you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> but it, it, the, the one of the main characters yeah. has like that May West and except it's a little bit more nasally. Um, and that's usually where my mind goes when I hear these. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing because I I tried to Google that show and I so do not remember what you said that this is the first time I've ever Googled something and came up with zero search results. Well, I guess that's in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) And this is something you need to go watch after we're done because it's so just crazy and insane. As you were, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, I got to find my... uh... What were we talking? Oh, yep. Julie Viper. Ah. Yes. Has the Mae West voice and is the only pilgrim I've ever seen with lipstick, eyeshadow, and earrings. Sure. She's not the only female pilgrim we meet. There's also Qbert's girlfriend, QT, and Q Val, who's probably named that because of her Valley Girl accent. Mm. Yeah. This is our new home. Thank you, Amy. Tell me this is really happening. I mean, like, there's no store here, you know? No nightclub. I mean, really, no makeup parlor. I mean, like, guy, this place is totally barren to the max. Uh, the pilgrims finally spot land, and Q Val's first comment is like, "There's totally no stores here, and I mean, like, no nightclubs, there you go. and yeah. I mean, uh-huh. no makeup parlors." Oh, uh, girl. Because 1983 was the year of the Valley Girl, so it fits Ooh. here. Is that when Valley Girl came out? Yeah. Oh my God. Did it really? Yep. Oh, okay. She reminds me of um, Lumpy Space Princess a little bit from Adventure Time because she has the attitude of like that kind of girl, but she's just she's just round and purple. You know, normally, if you're round and purple, you wouldn't have a valley girl attitude. But uh, Uh LSP and um, Q-Val, I got something common there. Yeah. 
Uh, Cutie and Q Val are both performed by Robbie Lee, who is best known to me as voicing Rainbow Bright's little buddy Twink. Uh-huh. And also <laughs> Lala Orange, Shy Violet, and Indigo. Poor name on Twink there. Yeah. Well, only yeah, well, in hindsight. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were just talking about Peter Cullen playing a character named Grundle. So, you know. <laughs> oh, no. um, Give me a spinoff show starring Grundle and Twink. It'll be called the Grundle and Twink I would show. watch it. Yeah. Perfect. She was another one, Robbie Lee. She didn't really do that much. I guess she did a couple $6 million man, and then she just kind of decided to kind of peace out after doing uh, Rainbow Bright. It looked like it, yeah, because she did like four different voices in Rainbow Bright, probably more. I have the window open with the episode in front of us. I'm sort of clicking along as we get to the points. We are at one minute and 48 seconds into the episode. (laughs) Exactly. We are at one minute and 48 seconds. (laughs) That was me doing the notes for this episode. I was like, there's so much that I want to talk about. Your your job here is hard. I want to say to the listeners, the regular listeners of... Advent Calendar House podcast. This is a hard job, and and uh, <laughs> rewatching these shows are sometimes pa- sometimes painful. And Mike carries the heaviest of the load. Woo! Oh, he does a great job. He's a great job. By the Thank way, you guys. Uh, another side note because I just had to go look her up because I knew she was in something. She was uh, Robbie Lee was in Switchblade Sisters from nice. 1975, which was a nice grindhouse. Uh, I like that one. Movie. It's a good one. She plays uh, Lace, which is I guess one of the one of the main girls. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday's Supercade will return after these messages. Roll it. Here's your cue to save 15 to 50%. It's John Wanamaker's Thanksgiving sale. Wanamaker's, Wanamaker's. Just picture 15 to 50% savings in the holiday season's best throughout the store. John Wanamaker's Thanksgiving sale starts Friday. Don't miss the sale of plenty. 15 to 50% off at John Wanamaker's Thanksgiving sale. Wanamaker's, Wanamaker's. And now back to Saturday's Super Cave. So all the pilgrims arrive on shore and start exploring the wilderness, and it's not long before they meet the locals, or as the teacher calls them, Noser Indians. Uh. And oh boy, it's time for a racist Frank Welker voice. Hello in there. Welcome to our land. Uh, it's nice to be here. You got great bushes. Uh, the whole time he was doing this, I was like, no, no, Frank, no, 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 no. It's not the worst Native American voice I've ever heard. It's it's not great by any means, no. but it could have been a lot worse. I think it's less offensive than the um, than the Chihuahua in a Thanksgiving story. Oh yeah, the what? The, if you remember the Chihuahua in Thanksgiving, I won't. I don't even want to do it. Oh oh, the one that we watched. Yes, and honestly, it's not um, Frank Welker. It, it, I, I don't think Frank Welker, I think he's very smart enough to realize when he should and shouldn't do certain voices. Um, so I will say at least he's not like over the top, like, um, right. What was, what was the old, uh, Oh, there was a show in like the fifties or sixties and it was really offensive towards native Americans. And it's, you see it on TV land and you're just like, Oh no, that's not good. F troop. Uh, F troop. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, no, not nearly as bad as F Troop. Yes. It's still so, in I'm, 1983, all bets were off. Yes. It's pretty fortunate that the Q Pilgrims and the Q Native Americans or the Q Nate, whatever, it's pretty fortunate that they speak the same language. Yeah, that was another thing that I kind of noted. I was like, oh, dear. They just hop off the boat and, you know, I mean, that's a lot to tackle in a kid's show, but. So bad. So this chief is named Q Eagle, which is really close to Randall Cunningham's name in Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, oh, nice. Nice. Did not catch that. We're like Tecmo Cooper Bowl. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> but this Q Eagle says he and his people would be glad to help the pilgrims build homes and plant corn and catch fish. And most of the pilgrims are happy to have someone to help them get settled. But not everyone's on board. And Viper notes the Indians helping everyone. It's going to be tough for Coily to win that Q horse and buggy. Why? They said they're helping everyone. It's going to be ah. hard to win that Q horse and buggy. Yeah. If if they're setting up shop, why don't they just make their own horse and buggy? Like, I mean, (laughs) or at least a buggy. Yeah, you could probably make a horse. So Coily has some dirty tricks up his sleeve, he says, uh, which he has because, again, he's a snake with arms. He is a snake with arms, Um, which I guess makes him not a snake. We'll have to we'll have to get somebody on (laughs) who who could speak on biology, but. I'll be bringing it up a few more times. Okay. But first, the first order of business is the build houses. And apparently, Cubert only has one more nail to go to finish his perfectly cubic log cabin. But apparently, while they weren't looking, Coily and company pulled out all the other nails. Oh, they sure did. Because they don't like Thanksgiving. So, they just like nope. to mess around. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so what was Cubert doing while they were doing that? Getting high. <laughs> <laughs> Asked and answered, man. But no, we see Hubert walking up to the cabin with the group to show them, hey, everyone, this is the last nail. He should have put that last nail and then gone, look, everyone, I'm done. Yep. And the, it, it comes tumbling down, man. Yeah, I guess neither way would stop Coily from pulling all the nails while he wasn't looking. And sure enough, Hubert hammers in the last nail and the whole log cabin collapses. If he was so proud of his work, why wasn't he paying the F attention? <laughs> He stepped away to show everyone. Hey, everyone, look, I'm almost done. That's like when I, that's like when people on Twitter, and I include myself, they're like, hey, guys, I'm almost finished with this um, blogging or YouTube or podcast project, and then it just never happens. And I say that from, oh, no. I, love, I, I don't know if you did it on purpose, but you put some South Jersey in there. So I'm almost done. <laughs> I'm almost done. <laughs> no, I did not do that on purpose. Hey, guys. Actually, me and Mike are both from South Jersey. We don't talk. We are. (laughs) Well, you know. Well, he's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But this collapsing of the log cabin and the banging of the nail and just this whole couple of seconds of Foley art is a great example of Saturday Mm Supercade's extensive use of the Hanna-Barbera sound effects library. It was very bonky. Yeah, it sent me down a rabbit hole. If you want to spend hours just listening to different cartoon sound effects, look up the Hanna-Barbera sound effects library. Oh, that's cool. Even as the cues are running away. I see. I feel weird calling them the cues because that has weird implications now. But as they're running away from the um, the falling cabin, it's very Scooby-Doo. You hear the boop, 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 shoo, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So all of these sounds have a name. That sound of them running, because like, you know, how they wind up before they run away in every cartoon. Uh, that sound effect is called Temple Block Gallop. Whoa. Oh. 
That's my new band name. <laughs> go for it. Uh, Mike, we have to kind of go back and I have to give you a spanking. Oh, <laughs> what did I miss? This was not, um, you said Hanna-Barbera. This is Ruby Spears. It is Ruby Spears, but the sound library is the Hanna-Barbera sound effects library. Oh, that's right. Every, you know, <laughs> they shared all that crap. So do they have to pay them for that sound library or do they? I don't know how that works because this. It may be licensed. It probably it's on the Internet Archive and it says public domain on there. But this isn't public domain. Yeah, but circa like what year was it uh, public domain? Like oh, that could have been. Yeah, they I mean, but Hanna-Barbera and Ruby Spears were competing with each other at this. Right. Point. This is this is odd. I don't know, but. They had the rights to use all these sound effects, and they did very much so in this whole episode. So the pilgrims and the noser natives just shrug and start over as we fade to the next task at hand, plowing fields and planting crops. Man, if only they had a horse that could do this. Maybe one set aside as a prize of some sort. Uh, One that had square wheels. Yeah. And goat feet or hooves or whatever. But no, instead, they use the probably more efficient strength of Pilgrim Cumungus to pull the plow. Here comes Chad. Yeah. Cumungus is the original plow king. Good for you, Chad. Yep. Not only do you know facts, but you are <laughs> the plow king of the nuke of the Q land. I like it. But Coily and his pals, who are doing absolutely no work for the who can work the hardest contest, decides that, and this is a direct quote, it's time Time for for the the old itching itching powder powder down the pants trick. Oh, that old trick. Why do they have itching powder? Three things I'm bringing to the new world. Food, (laughs) sandwiches, which is also food, and itching powder. (laughs) Makes sense to me. Yeah, that's what we need to bring across the ocean with us. Just in case you need to pour it down someone's pants, you just never know. It's like on the old Survivor. I don't know if they still do this, but I remember the thing was you could only bring like one oh, that's item right. with you yeah. to the island. Yeah. So like early on, like someone would bring like a toothbrush and someone else would bring like a CD player or something like that. And this is a pretty wild choice that if you're on Survivor or, you know, this this weird, you know, time traveling, that that's what you decide to have. It's good to know that Archie McPhee exists in the Q-verse. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But at first, it would seem that the joke's on Coily because Cumungus doesn't seem to be wearing any pants. He's just got a long pilgrim shirt like it's a muumuu. That's why Chad's not on the video chat. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Coily just dumps the itching powder down Cumungus's shirt and it instantly takes effect. Uh-huh. But all it does is make him run faster and get the plowing done more quickly. Sure. Womp womp. These snakes are these snakes are terrible at pranks. Yeah, they kind of suck. <laughs> uh, next thing on the list is fishing, and Coily, being a snake, is able to dive under the water and tie Cubert's fishing line to the tail of a very large fish, which pulls them so hard the whole dock comes loose off the shore and starts skidding out of the water, miraculously sending a whole school of fish flying out of the lake, conveniently right into some empty baskets. These uh, fish also have the the same open nose thing as, as the, as the Q guys they do. So the species thing here is really, is really tough for me to deal with. I'm supposed to gloss over it, but it's their own branch off the, uh, Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. So this Qbert, the cartoon tackles evolution without saying anything. 
because you see a fish <laughs> yeah, God, who God. represents the, you know, the human, if Hubert's a human and the horse, uh, well, a horse isn't in the evolutionary, yeah, uh, whatever. It's here, folks. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Coily should win that horse and buggy. He's been very helpful so far. That's a very good point, actually. Mm-hmm. What do you think a snake would do at a horse? Fight it. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> He just wants the buggy. It's the night. It's the 1600s hot rod. That's a yeah, yeah. Actually, you're right. But he's got one more strategy to win. He's borrowed a ball from Qbert's little brother Qbit, and he's going to use it to trip up Qbert and make him look like a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> verbatim. It'll look like a jerk. Yeah, he's gonna <laughs> look like a jerk. That ball that's supposed to look like Qbit's actually looks like the purple ball in the arcade game that turns into Coily. So I'm thinking, are you about to turn into another snake ball? Evolution. But but no. Pokemon. (laughs) Cubert just steps on it and trips and falls onto a table full of pies and prompts an angry Cubert to bust out his too hot for TV catchphrase. Oh, that one? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So I recently read Qbert's cussing word bubble was the original title for the game. Whoa. When it was in testing, like his first little test market run. And then they realized, oh, no one's going to be able to pronounce this. It it has six letters, whatever his thing is. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> and I can think of a couple six letter naughty words and and Qbert should be in jail. <laughs> Uh, but Coily's plan somewhat works. Cubert's normally laid back surfer dude pal Q Ball chastises little Cubit for apparently leaving his ball lying around for Cubert to trip over. Nice going, Cubit. Thanks to your dumb ball, Cubert probably won't win the Q horse and buggy. But I didn't leave my ball outside. I left it in the cabin. Sure, and it just rolled out here by itself. Likely story. Stupid kid. Yeah, basically, Cubit insists he left it in the cabin because he did. Uh, and the voice of young Cubit is Dick Beals, the voice of Davy from Davy and Goliath. What? I see now. Now the, uh, the you know creationism versus evolution that we're seeing here in Cubit is it's starting to seem a little more you know geared towards creationism. Could be. There's a lot of connections there. Uh, and a rightfully upset Cubit with a tear in his eye decides to run away since he feels like no, no one loves him anymore. anymore because one guy yelled at him. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it is weird when you're a kid and someone who's not your dad yells at you, you know? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yep. Well, it's even weirder for this kid to get so freaking emo yeah. so quick. He's. <laughs> You know, I, I wish he would have run into an an active volcano. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, it's too hot in here. <laughs> oh, no. Great. Now I've got two. Volcanoes. <laughs> I mean, neither of those two reacts well here, but we needed a B plot. So here it is. Uh, but Cubert finds a note Cubit left explaining he's running away. That was considerate of him. Of course, everyone's very upset that the little guy's all alone in the wilderness. Even Wrongway, whose guilt overcomes him, and he snitches on Coily. <laughs> I can't take it. Coily's the one who tripped up Cubert with the ball, not Cubit. That was a terrible thing to do. Eh, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. 
but he looks very remorseful for inadvertently yeah. causing Cupid to run away. It, it, wrong way is the guy with his his body is basically a head, right? Yeah. So, all right. We don't know what kind of animal he's supposed to be. No, we don't. All right. They're all just alien species. Coily's looking remorseful, but not Viper. She tells Coily now's his big chance. If he oh, finds wow. Cubit before the others, he'll win the horse and buggy. We still care about the stupid horse and buggy? We sure do. This is what I'm talking about. So you win the horse and buggy if you do a lot of good stuff to help build up the new Q world, right? Yeah. So what? what is that? Why do they automatically assume if you find his little lost brother is going to automatically give him is going to make you win the horse because he'll be a hero. But that's just not building the new world, man. We got to redefine the rules of this horse game. <laughs> just, we can't make up these horse rules as you go. Yeah, I don't know. But all I know is that Qbert suggests everyone split up to look for Qubit and then they don't actually split up. You're right. Not at first. Anyway, the chief offers to help guide them since, you know, they live there and they know their way around. First, they arrive at a river. The chief is sure Cubit crossed, and Coily tries to slither across, but it's apparently not shallow enough for the guy who was just at the bottom of the lake like three minutes ago. Man, no checks and balances in Q lands. Nope. <laughs> chief very quickly chops down a tree and builds a canoe they use to cross the river. Q-Ball inadvertently stands up in the canoe and makes them all tip over. Good. Now everyone yell at him. Yeah. But we move on and they find Cubit's footprints at one point and then they just stop at a fork in the road. So now they split up, by which I mean Cubert heads up a mountain trail by himself and everyone else goes the other way. Mm-hmm. They sure do. Cubert's <laughs> <laughs> walking along the side of a cliff full of square pumpkins just sitting there. You know how pumpkins are always growing on the side of cliffs. Did you say square pumpkin? I sure did. No, he did not. Keep going. <laughs> okay, Hubert makes a comment. It's a good thing I haven't run into any dangerous animals. When out from behind a large pumpkin appears an angry bear. And I love that you can see in this shot, you know, the, there's the, there's three pumpkins. And one of them is bright orange. And the other two, I guess, are like the matte paintings or whatever they put in the background behind the cells. So you know something's going to happen with that foreground pumpkin. <laughs> yes. It, you know. It's like, oh, I got uh, no mystery there. I have to be drawn to that one for some reason. Something's behind this pumpkin. It's a noser eating Q-Bear. <laughs> and another another Q-Nose. So. Yeah. So this chase scene gives Cubert the opportunity to do the one thing Cubert does in the arcade game. Jump onto a series of cubes and make them change color. I think that's the only time, you know, that's your moment like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when Leo is pointing at the screen, you know, that meme. That's the one moment. Like, like <laughs> yes. the game. Yep. Jumping on the squares. That's is. it. You did it. That's what the pumpkins are here for. Very carefully positioned so Cubert can jump on them and change them from orange to yellow. I couldn't tell if he's ripening or unripening the pumpkins by jumping on them. Wow. That brings up some logic stuff that I'm not ready to digest either. Oh. What does him jumping on things do? Does it de-age them? Ooh. I'm going to be honest. After I watched the uh, the cartoon, I watched like an hour of a Cubert playthroughs. <laughs> I was like, maybe that this will help me help me understand what the cartoon's about. Did you find the playthroughs to be more interesting than the show? Yes. Oh, wow. Did it help? It did not help me at all. 
<laughs> yeah. And I would not recommend trying it yourself with pumpkins, people. Ooh. The bear is still chasing him. Cubert resorts to his other trick, shooting the bear with slippy doos. I don't think I can outleap him. But I can blast him with my slippy doos. Like we said, this was a non-canonical thing from the game, right? Yeah, no, they added it for the cartoon. Okay. So, Cubert can shove what looks like a little oil slick ball up his nose and then fire it like a paintball. There's something there uh, that's that's just not sitting right with me about him st- sticking oil balls in his nose. It seems it seems irresponsible for a kid's show to teach them to stick things up their nose. Oh. I think Home Movies actually had a song written directly for the opposite, where he said, don't stick marbles in your nose. Do not stick them in there. <laughs> Yeah, but I I don't know. Slippy doos are their own thing. They're slippery, and sure enough, Cubert's last shot sends the bear slipping and crashing into a pumpkin that smashes over its head, and that takes care of the bear. And now we finally cut back to Cubit to see what he's been up to. He's come to a ravine he can't jump across, so he manages to push a giant log across the gap by himself without it falling. Kid's been working out. Mm-hmm. That's the last time. <laughs> the last time we saw him, he's just been lifting weights in the yeah. woods. He's getting gains. I'm gonna beat the shit out of that snake and my older brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we know his arm strength is impeccable because as soon as he attempts to walk across the log, he immediately slips off of it, finds himself hanging by a single branch over the ravine. And thankfully, the rest of the queue hears his cries for help and comes running. The chief has a rope they can use, and Viper insists Coily got Cubit into this mess, so he should be the one to get him out of it. So Coily tosses the entire rope into the ravine. Just dumps it in there, because he's dumb. Coily's great. Coily is my favorite character <laughs> in the show. <laughs> and that causes Viper to tell him, you and that rope have a lot in common. No brains. What? Uh, that was witty. So when he throws the rope into the ravine, after he does it, he sort of makes his face like, whoops. So was he being a jerk and intentionally throwing the rope in the ravine so nobody could help cube it? Or, or no, I think he was that a botched throw. I think it was a botched throw. OK, because he wanted to save Cubit. Hmm. I loved the thinking that he was like, we're going to save this kid. Good luck. He throws the rope <laughs> down into the hole. I, lo- I loved that. Well, Cubert has another idea to use Coily as a rope. Mm-hmm. Picks him up and swings him around like a lasso. Yeah. Launches Coily at Cubit because the snake has arms. Grabs Cubit and pulls him to safety. It seems racist against snakes. I guess. This scene. You know? I'll just leave it at that. But everyone cheers and goes back to the village to celebrate while Coily's still flat on his back. And Viper tells him you're never going to win that cue horse and buggy by lying on your back. Well, hang on a minute. Coily is the one who actually grabbed Cubit and carried him to safety. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy. Man, he's the, he's the, uh, he's the Rodney Dangerfield yes. of the show. He's no a respect. snake that gets no respect. But no matter, it's time to celebrate. Wait, no, it's canceled. 
because everyone comes back to find a pack of wild cue boars appeared and ate everything. And now they're all lying all over the place asleep. I regret to say our celebration has been canceled due to some uninvited guests. Now they should eat the cue boars. Yeah, they should. That's the American progression. <laughs> the cue boars ate my food. We eat the cue boars. That's not what happens. No. It should have been because now they say, oh, we have no food left to survive the winter. Very similar to uh, the classic uh, Thanksgiving story. Yeah. And very similar to a, cl- uh, a Thanksgiving tale. Indeed. It was all about finding food for the winter. Yep. yep. Uh, but thankfully, the chief arrives with plenty of food for everyone. But before we can actually see the first Kuberg Thanksgiving, we flash forward back to the classroom and the teacher just tells us, and that's it. It did seem like a, a, a scene was missing here or something. Did they run out of time animating? Oh, I guess so. I sort of love that. I love that in the 80s, you could be in show business and just run out of time. Yeah. And like it goes to air. Yeah. But I was disappointed. I wanted to see the actual first Thanksgiving in Cubert land. And does it like the horse never gets brought up, right? No, they could have cut out some gags. No, at the end of the lesson, the teacher asks, are there any questions? And Cumungus is the one who asks, who won the Q-horse and buggy? Good question, Cumungus. Oh, that's what I would have wanted to know. And the cartoon ends with the students arguing over whether Cubert wanted their coily wanted. Cubert And that's the end of the episode. They had to have run out of time. There's no yeah. way it was written to like don't show because it raises more questions. <laughs> yeah, don't show anything interesting. <laughs> that might actually get people to want to rewatch this. No, it ends with everyone shouting at each other like the beginning, throwing paper airplanes, and they've all learned nothing. Absolutely nothing. They've learned nothing. And I thought, I thought, okay, I get it. So they're showing a retelling of, you know, the first Thanksgiving. So cool. They're, they're, they're building houses. They're sharing food, stuff like that. Cut out that B plot about the horse. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. And then it doesn't pay off in the end. No. They just give, they, I, guess, I guess they ran out of time and they didn't bring it back up again. So it should have just never been in there in the first place. Saturday Supercade. <laughs> I almost said Starcade, but. Um, yeah, I said Starcade. Yeah, that's something different. <laughs> at the movie theater I worked at, we had an arcade. We, we had, or it's it's still there, but um the arcade area is called Starcade. Is it? Nice. And I want to uh, send that to Vince McMahon. Because <laughs> I think he will have some words about that. That arcade belongs to me, pal. Damn it, Bruce. <laughs> it was me all along, Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I've said all I can about an 11-minute cartoon, but do you all have any final thoughts on Q-Bird and his Thanksgiving special? I, I, you're right. You've, there's nothing that any, that I could say that will further elaborate on this, but I just wanted to, again, I've said it twice or three times. I got to compliment you on this because I watched this exactly 11 minutes before we started recording. And I, I had no idea what it was about. <laughs> and you just like told, you got it. You do a great job, Mike. I, Thank you. Why, actually, now you don't need to watch it. If you've listened all the way through, Mike has told you more because I think you did a better job explaining this than the show did. Nope. <laughs> I hope so. If you've made it this far, this was one of the first cartoons based on a video game ever made, and it's only been uphill from here, God except <laughs> not at all. 
is this um is this just uh, admittedly this is before my time so i know that pac-man fever was very real people love the game there's merchandising plushies yep. blah 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 is this just coattailing pac-man fever yeah probably okay mm-hmm. it was around the same time i guess yeah or? the pac-man cartoon came before this and that did really well so somebody w- was like we ought to Let's we do more. Uh, we, yeah. We're going to do that same thing, but with a worse character. Yeah. Well, that was Hanna-Barbera. Ruby Spirits decided, all right, let's get the rights to every other arcade game. Yeah. And yeah. just make it up as we go. I just want to, I had one little weird fact of it. So, Cubert uh, was developed by a company, a Chicago-based company called uh, Gottlieb. I think Gottlieb. that's how you pronounce it. Correct. And uh, Gottlieb, and their other uh, digital claim to fame, as it were, is the... Um, arcade adaptation of the film crawl and have you ever have you ever seen crawl k-r-u-l-l you don't need to see crawl um and you also don't need to play that game but uh, i just thought that was a really weird a weird little connection it's just like uh huh. that name sounds familiar for some reason you're a crow you I, I i i really suspected you to pop for that chad that's the reason why i brought that up, i i tried to watch crow and i i i am not team crow i gotta be honest <laughs> i am not team crow i am not the uh, team uh cole the conqueror or whatever that terrible comic that got turned into a movie you also do not seem to be team cubert Gottlieb is is much better known for their pinball games. They do a lot of pinball ah, machines. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Gotcha. Mm, interesting. I feel like this name means something else to me. This name sounds familiar. Which one? And it's driving me Gottlieb. crazy. Gottlieb. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know Gottlieb as a pinball company. And then when I realized, oh, they did Qbert too? Okay. The, uh, Qbert was their like most famous creation, it looks like. Pinball machines, Cubert, and a horrible video game film adaptation. Oh, yes, terrible. But, uh, maybe I don't know. I have to look it up. But like a very early video game film adaptation because that was eighty three. Yes, uh, this is what we had to entertain us on Saturday mornings. But it was a fun look back for me, uh, and we were thankful for it. And isn't that what Thanksgiving is truly all about? That is what it's all about. And I'm thankful to have been here. And and. I'm thankful you didn't kick me out of the call when uh-huh. I when I sidetracked us the seventeenth time. <laughs> That's my. Th- I let you. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you. Uh, well, if people want to offer you a horse and buggy with square wheels in exchange for building them an entire neighborhood, where can they <laughs> find you on the internet, Jamie? Oh man, I don't want to plug myself. I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, how about you, Chad? Uh, after this episode, if you still want to listen to or read anything, uh, at horror movie barbecue, uh, horror movie barbecue.com, uh, TPIF with Tommy Coombs. Um, he's going to have his own stuff to plug in a second, but all I got to say is Mike, I don't think that this is the last time you're going to be at, uh, Thanksgiving table with Tommy and I, I'm just letting you know, that's oh, a little, good. uh, I can't yeah. wait. We get to do it all over again very soon. That's all nice. I'm going to say. Well, all right. And Tom. Okay. Uh, you can get catch me on Twitter at the pop daddy and on YouTube at youtube.com slash pop daddy Tom. Um, I have content coming out every week, usually just silly reviews and stuff like that. So check it out, like subscribe. Uh, sometimes I do giveaways and stuff like that. And uh, I'll catch you there. Tommy, if I, if I may, is it? This- 
this your first podcast since uh since uh little willow came along yes oh wow really wait a minute mm-hmm. uh nice yeah we did record tommy was on an earlier episode this season but uh that was before she was born you're right was he what did you do fraggle rock oh yeah well that deserves an on-air congratulations the yeah, first official on-air congratulations and round of yeah. applause new dad so yeah she's doing great let me ask you a question shoot when she gets a little older, will you introduce her to the Qbert Thanksgiving <laughs> No. <laughs> this is a, Dad, Dad, what's this? I'm like, that's nothing. It's filth. Yeah. You put that out it's, of my house. It's, it's, it's with the X-rated stuff. It goes in a chest and nobody ever looks at it. I told you I don't want to see you look at this filth. <laughs> Listen to his dirty unholy voice. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Mike. Anytime. All right. And as usual, you can find show notes for the many slippy-doo tangents we tripped over during this episode at adventcalendar.house. You can say hi to me on Twitter at FallWestMike and AdventCalHouse. Our countdown to Christmas in July wraps up in just a couple of days, and it's going to get weird. Uh-oh. Hope you join us. Until then, for Jamie, Tom, and Chad from my perfectly geometric log cabin held together by a single nail... This is Mike Westfall reminding you to please watch out for the icy patch. And happy Thanksgiving in July. Good night. Mike, how many minutes into the uh, episode are we? Into- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Nope. It's okay. No, now wait a minute, because this is kind of... Mike has gotten accustomed to this because when we did uh, Perfect Strangers Thanksgiving last year, I think that we may have talked about the show a whole five minutes and then just talked about everything else in the world for the next hour and 25 minutes. So I knew what I was getting myself into. Yes, you did. And now these messages. We're the elves from Tis the Podcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And Tis the Podcast is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Join us each week as we rank, review, and discuss all your favorite Christmas movies and television shows. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes it's a verbal brawl. But each and every week is guaranteed to be fun. Come join us. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Think! Think! Happy Thanksgiving from the Weird Al Show! Ooh! Think CBS Kids! Gobble, gobble, gobble. 